You mean if I tell the truth, I may get in trouble? You mean if I stand on the truth of this statement, I could be imprisoned? You mean if I proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in this particular country, I could lose my life? Have you ever made the right decision and suffered the consequences for it? You know, that's exactly what happens in the event that we're looking at today. You see, Daniel had become a very powerful man in Babylon. Yet his commitment to do what was right all the time landed him in hot water. Well, at least it landed him in the den with a bunch of lions. But consequences should never determine the decisions that we make. It's our submission to the living God that should determine the decisions that we make on a daily basis. And that's exactly what we see today in the events of Daniel and the lion's den. As we conclude this series and see that the thread of redemption, the scarlet thread continues to be present throughout history. Well, some of you may have seen this commercial. Uh, I read this in, a, in an article, actually. There was this little boy, and he has a baseball cap on. He has a baseball bat and a baseball in his hand, and he's at this ball diamond all by himself, and he throws the ball up, and he swings it, and he misses. Actually, before he does that, he says, I'm going to be the greatest, uh, I'm going to be the greatest hitter in the world. And he throws the ball up, and he swings it, and he misses. So he, he kind of gathers himself and he picks up the ball again and he throws it up again. I'm going to be the greatest hitter in the world. And he throws it up and he swings it and he misses again. You can see he's kind of getting maybe a little bit disappointed, wondering what's going on. He picks up the ball again. So one, one more time, you know, strike one, strike two. He's got one more chance, right? He throws the ball up. I'm going to be the greatest hitter in the world. And he swings it and he misses again. And you just think, oh man, the poor little kid. And he, he just kind of pauses for a moment. Then he gets this big grin on his face and he says, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. You know, sometimes in life we can get discouraged. Well, this little boy made a decision right here that he... Uh, missing the ball three times wasn't going to discourage him. He, he was challenged by that, and he, he kind of looked at it from a different perspective. Now, the, the story, the event that we're going to look at today doesn't have with just mentally changing our mind. All through the course of what we've been looking at, uh, as we've been looking at vi- events along the timeline of history, we have seen that it's way more about God and the Creator of the universe than it is about us and those who are participants in those particular events. So we can trust that it's not just our positive thinking that's going to turn situations and help us not to be discouraged. It's the God of the universe. It's, it's the fact that, that Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's where our encouragement comes from. That's, that's where our willingness to keep going on and, and main, maintain our faithfulness comes from. You know, I, I think... Um, why wouldn't be, we be willing to do that? We have soldiers, men and women, who, who, who sign on the dotted line, who are willing to sacrifice their life for a country, for a government, for a people. Why wouldn't we be willing to sacrifice our life for the God of the universe? And in today's story, we're going to see that, that there are people who 
are willing and who have sacrificed their lives for the God of the universe. Um, you know, I'm kind of disappointed that the Scarlet Thread series is ending. I'm, I'm disappointed, actually, that, that we're ending where we are. I mean, we're ending about uh, essentially 480 B.C., and there's still 2,500 years or more, 600 years to go. And uh, uh, Ty and I were talking about this this week. And what we've decided to do is sometime in the next year, we're going to pick this series up again. We're going to start from here and we're going to go eight more of the greatest stories forever told. And we're going to go to the end. And uh, so you can be looking forward to that in the coming year. I hope that, uh, that you'll stick with us. You know, but as, as we have gone through this series, we have seen great failures by men and women uh, who are servants of the Lord. We have seen great um, successes of faith. Uh, we've seen desperate people in desperate situations. And we have seen how God has worked through many of those things. And, and uh, we can have hope and be encouraged by that because even in our present uh, situations that seem desperate and that seem impossible, we can know that, that we can just continue to hold on to God um, because He is working he loves us just like He loved them, and, and He is doing what's best. His ways are way beyond our ways. And sometimes that's hard to, to, to grasp when you're in the midst of something that's really difficult. But we truly, truly need to do that. So today we're going to be looking at four lessons that we can learn from the life of Daniel. Four lessons from the den. Now they're going to start pre-den, actually. We're not going to get them all from the den of lions itself. Um, but, but we're going to be looking at the life of Daniel. So um, I put up a bunch as far as our timeline is concerned. Last week, uh, Stephen, Pastor Stephen took us through the, the split of Israel to the north and south. And then we looked at Elijah and, and the uh, conflict on Mount Carmel and, and how he won that. Um, here's a few other things if you've been writing these down or you want to keep track of some major things that have been happening. Um, in, in 860 B.C., that's when God sent fire down when Elijah called for it and it burned up the altar and all of that stuff. Um, in 793, you're familiar with the story of Jonah and the whale, the big fish. Um, that occurs around 793 B.C. In 743 B.C., 50, 50 years after the prophet Jonah, Israel is invaded by Assyria. Assyria starts moving in and, and begins to take over the nation of Israel. In 722 B.C., the northern kingdom falls to Assyria. They completely control the northern kingdom. In 701, uh, Assyria begins to besiege Jerusalem. And if you know anything about that, you know that it wasn't good for for many years, they besieged the city of Jerusalem. And, and the people in the city of Jerusalem, um, true to, to many of the prophecies that Elijah brought, because the Lord told him to bring these prophecies, this is what's going to happen to Israel. They, they began happening to the people in Jerusalem. I mean, they, they, they got hungry. They began to eat each other in, in the city of Jerusalem. That, that's how bad it got when they were being besieged by Assyria. And then, then in um, 605 B.C. Uh, is when Daniel is taken captive. So in 605, Assyria finally... Well, actually, in 605, um, Persia, the, the Persian Mede... Uh, nation begin 
completely taking everything that Assyria had taken. So, so they grab Daniel and some other men from Israel and they carry them off to Babylon um, to be brought up in Babylonian life. Um, and, and we'll take a brief look at that. In, uh, in 586, Jerusalem is finally destroyed. In 539, oh, I, I, I overstepped. I spoke too soon. In 539 is when Babylon was overthrown by Persia. <laughs> so, so this land is being swapped hands several times now. And, and then in 479... Uh, Esther becomes queen of Persia, which is, is important. It, it's, it's something that's significant to me. You know, I've, I've known the story of, of Esther before, but I didn't really relate as much to the fact that she became the queen of Persia, who, who was this pagan nation who had overtaken Israel. And, and actually, a few things to say about that as well. Um, when Babylon overthrew um, when Babylon was overthrown by Persia, that is at the same time when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Daniel was in Babylon during the rule of three different kings. And Daniel was a very powerful man. As I said in the bumper, um, he was given great, great honor and great respect and great power in these nations where he was at. Um, just a couple other things that I just want to... Uh, to show us as far as the secular line of history that runs through all of this. In 563, let me start before that actually. Um, in 800 BC, which is about right here, Homer writes the Iliad and the Odyssey, two very uh, popular, important works, neither of which I have read. Has anybody in here read either of those? Oh, wow, boy, do I feel... Um, not very smart. They didn't teach us that where I went to school. So um, in something that I thought was very interesting was in 776, the first Olympic Games were held. So Greece is now becoming a, a major player in that part of the world. Uh, Olympics are first held in 776 B.C. Um, something else, let's see, I have these in 563, somewhere between 563 and 560. B.C. Aesop writes his fables. So that's going to be about right there. And also in that same time frame, the founder of Buddhism is born in India. So Buddhism begins, uh, well, after he grows up, obviously, but he's born in between 563 and 560 B.C. Um, so again, our, our, our secular timelines continue to, to just run parallel alongside with the biblical timeline as we're looking at these. And I hope that can help us have a, a better context of how uh, things happened in history. So Daniel was carried off to Babylon. And it wasn't just Daniel. It was Daniel and many other men. And if you turn to the book of Daniel, if you haven't already, um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1 to start off with here. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1. I want to read 1 through 7. Um, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Little g. Verse 3, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. 
Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So that's when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those should be familiar names, that's when they get caught up and taken captive and hauled off to Babylon from Jerusalem. Um, So our first lesson that we're going to learn this morning is the fact that difficult circumstances don't mean God isn't working. Difficult circumstances don't mean God isn't working. In fact, if you look up there earlier, you see there the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. God is working, albeit not in the way that Israel would really want him to. It's at this particular time that they are enduring the consequences of their unfaithfulness. And, and as we sang that song that, that Ty led us in, God bless America, you know, part of me says, how can I ask God to bless a country who's not following Him faithfully? Now, I do want Him to bless my nation. Absolutely, I do. But, but on the flip side of that, oh, I, I just, I, I want our nation to stand before God and give Him uh, the dues that He deserves. That, that people would believe and follow and submit to Him. Um, at this, I do not want our nation to become like the nation of Israel. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know if there's truth in any of that. Um, but what I do know is, I, I want to challenge and encourage as many people as I can to follow the Lord faithfully and to be committed to Him, no matter what, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And that's what we're going to see as we go through the course of uh, of Daniel's life. So difficult circumstances don't mean God isn't working. Now, I wonder if there were times when Daniel questioned that. You know, Daniel is is carted off to Babylon. Um, and, and all through this narrative of the book of Daniel, we're going to see that God continues to work even though it may not seem like He is. On the ground level, where you and I walk, where Daniel and these three boys are walking, there may be times where they just feel like God is as far away as He could possibly get. But, but, but what I want us to hear this morning is that doesn't change the decisions that they make. Um, they continue to make faithful decisions. Um, it, it just in a, in a simple way. Um, if, if we continue to read through Daniel chapter 1, we see that, that these men are, are supposed to be brought up in the teaching of, of, of Babylon. They're supposed to be fed pagan food, taught pagan worship, and they have dif- daily decisions to make, difficult decisions. Do we eat this food? Well, we're captive. You know, we, we, that's just what they want us to do, so we just do it. How, how do you make a decision there? You, you, they, they made it tough, tough decisions. Uh, we've seen so many difficult circumstances throughout the course of our own history. You know, these guys didn't invite Babylon to come in and overtake them, and they didn't invite them to take them captive. That, that wasn't because of decisions that they made. You know, we, we aren't creating tornadoes. We aren't creating terrorism in, in our country. Um, the financial struggle that, that happens on a daily basis for many people, um, some of it may be personal decisions, some of it may not be. Um, unfairness. Uh, people treating you unfair at work or at school, those aren't necessarily things that, that you have chosen for yourself, but they're happening to you. There's circumstances that you find yourself in 
Um, and I wonder what circumstances, if, if some of those that I have mentioned um, didn't bring something to mind, what, what circumstances, uh, difficult circumstances, come to your mind? Put that in the forefront of your mind this morning. Think about those difficult things. Because a lot of things happen in our world today to put us in situations that we don't choose for ourselves, don't they? Now, obviously, there are circumstances that we, uh, consequences that we suffer where it's because we, we did make a choice and a decision. Okay? That's not what I want to cover this morning. Uh, what I want to cover is, uh, in this point, is those that we don't choose for ourselves. And the, and the question is, is God still working? Well, that's where Daniel found himself. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves this morning. They had decisions to make. They could blame God for this, which many people do. They could drop their heads. They could drop their hands. They could get discouraged. They could walk away with God and basically say, well, well, when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. That's a decision they could have made. But that's not a decision that they did make. Um, even being far away from home, in captivity. Despite their circumstances, God was still working. Uh, Pastor Ty is going to be talking about what the decision that they made uh, in reference to the food that they were going to be fed. They made in, in the Second Look video this week. Again, I want to encourage you uh, to watch that and to, to, to do the study questions that are in that. Uh, God was no less in control in this situation as he was when the flood happened or when David fought Goliath. Still working. Still working. Still working. Um, and in the midst of these circumstances, of not of their own choosing, their, their obedience is being tested. Their obedience is being tested. They are to be fed kingly food and drink. What are they going to do about that? What is Daniel going to do about what we're going to see here in just a few moments? So that's the first, the first lesson is uh, God is working even when it doesn't seem like He is. The second lesson from the den is this. There are daily situations that will test our obedience. There are daily situations that will test our obedience. Daniel's occurred when some evil men got jealous of him and his power and the position that he had, and they looked for ways to ruin his day. If you uh, look at um, verse 4, and I believe, um, I believe it's chapter 6, so you're going to have to move forward to chapter 6. Let me double check this. Verse 4, chapter 6. It says, They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel was a smart guy. He was living his life on purpose. He knew what he was about. He knew the God that he was serving. And it says in verse 5, Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. If we can somehow twist something that will counteract the law of his God and his obedience and faithfulness to him, we can get him. So Daniel's living a very faithful life above reproach, and they set the trap in verse 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. 
Now, Your Majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius, not realizing what and who his decision would affect, says, you know what? All puffed up in himself, and I'm sure they did everything they could to puff him up, makes this decision and he says, fine. So King Darius, verse 9, put the decree in writing. Now, this wasn't something like in our culture today where you can make a contract and you can break any contract. This, um, this was something that could not be changed. It could not be reversed. So then what? What does Daniel do? Daniel hears about this. About this new rule. This new law of the land. And what does he do? Let's look at verse 10. It says, Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now, you might be thinking, Daniel, why on earth would you do that when there's this edict, there's this decree that has just been made? Why, why would you do that? Why would you pray with the windows open? Put some curtains up for crying out loud, right? Well, um, here's a, a, a lesson under daily situations that test our obedience. It's, it's this. Possible consequences should not dictate our obedience. Possible consequences should not dictate our obedience. Daniel didn't allow them to. He knew what the consequences would be, yet he still prayed. Okay? Now, you may think, did he pray in the way that he did to make a show of it? Was he trying to stick it in the eye of the king by doing this in front of the windows and saying, you can't touch me. You know, I, I serve a great God. No, that wasn't his point at all. If you look in there, it says what he did. He did three times a day, just as he had done before. This was his habit. This was out of... This was... I don't know if it, if it would be called a ritual, but this is what he did. This was part of his daily relationship with the God of the universe, was to pray three times a day in the way that he did, and that's what he did. And, and you know, some of us may be even thinking, you know, sure, we could, you can pray in your head. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of trying to think of all kinds of ways that Daniel could have, could have been faithful in praying and, and kind of slid under the radar for 30 days to get past this. But that would have been so out of character of him. It would have been so contrary to the relationship that he had already developed with his God that, that it, I don't know if it would have been disobedient or not. Um, but he didn't see fit to be secret about it. He just did it as he had done before. Now there's something that, that my wife and I do um, on a daily basis, uh, no matter where we are. And that's before we eat, we pray. Um, my dad prayed before every meal growing up, and, and it doesn't matter where it is. Public restaurants, um, you know, with other people, it's like, hey, you guys mind? I'm, I'm going to pray for our food. You know, that's just what we do. Uh, well, Ty and Sarah and Sarah and I were, were at Denver International Airport getting ready to go to Phoenix for a conference here a couple months ago, and, and we did just that. It's like, hey, let me pray. So we prayed. And, and by now, this has become such a part of me, such a habit, if you will, that I don't even question where we are or who's around, and I'm not sure it would even matter. 
Well, um, and, and, you know, I'm not going to tell you that somebody came and picked us up and said, you can't do that here, you can't pray in public or whatever. That didn't happen. But what did happen was we're, um, there was a couple guys a couple tables over um, that were eating, and they got up to leave. And as they're walking by, one guy stopped, and he said, um, you know, I just, want you to, I just want to let you know that that really encouraged my faith to see you living out your faith just right here today. And you know what? I, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just doing what I do. And, and it positively influenced somebody. Now, the, it begs the question, if I'm not faithful in doing that on a continual basis the way I have always had, what, what might not happen? Um, Daniel prayed. Possible consequences did not dictate, dictate his obedience. And it's being tested right here, right now. You know, the thought of feeding some hungry lions with myself, that, that just wouldn't sound like a good idea. But yet, he did just as he had done all the days before that. And so, as we are tested, let's not let the consequences dictate our obedience. So let's keep our commitment under pressure. You know, let's stick it out. Um, we'll do it for sports. We'll swear off certain foods or certain drinks for a track season. I'm not going to drink pop till the end of track season, okay? That's a small sacrifice to make. You know, let's make sacrifices for the God that we serve. Um, in, a, in the course of a day, we have opportunities to get angry. We have opportunities to fudge the truth just a little bit. Or to commit the sin of omission. Well, um, you know, I'm just not going to tell them this. Uh, you know, maybe you stole a car and there was something really wrong with it, but the, the person didn't ask any questions about it, so you didn't answer any questions about it. You know, I, I, that would be, I, man, that would be tough for me. Um, it's like, uh, you know, or maybe you have bought something from somebody and they didn't tell you everything. That's not so much fun to be on the other side of that for sure. Um, commitment under pressure to do the right thing. Um, maybe to cheat on a test or to gain an advantage in a game. Maybe you just tweak the rules a little bit to benefit yourself. Um, don't give in. Maintain commitment under pressure. Daniel didn't give up. Look at verse verse 12. Verse 12, it says, The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. This, he made this statement before he was told that Daniel was praying. Then verse 13, Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. <laughs> when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He liked Daniel. Daniel was, a, Daniel was a, a trustworthy man. He was one of the best men in all of Persia. In verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him, but there was no such loopholes in any of the laws that would allow him to rescind an edict. Once it's laid out there, it's done. The trap was set and now it had sprung. And in verse 16 it says, So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue 
you, Daniel, if there's any hope. I know it's not in me. He's saying, maybe there's hope in your God that you could be saved. Verse 17, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion? So our third lesson from the den this morning is this. Number three, God is always working. God is always working. I know that's kind of a rehash of point number one, but we need to be reminded in a positive way that God is always working. For Daniel, God shut the mouths of the lions. For the three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He protected them from burning up, even from smelling like smoke. They're in a fiery furnace and they come out and they don't even smell like smoke. God did that. Now, there are many who believe that God wanted to use Daniel and the lions as a foreshadowing of what was going to happen to Jesus. Now, as I thought about that this week, and, and there's, lots of, there's lots of pictures, there's lots of ancient works of art that, that make this direct connection. And, and when I'm thinking about a connection of Jesus, uh, I'll often try to go to the New Testament and see if the New Testament writers... Um, thought that that situation was to be held in that sort of light. So I went to the New Testament, and actually the name Daniel only appears in the New Testament one time, and it doesn't have to do with the lion's den. But, but I do, I do want to say this. Think about these things, um, and, and they do remind us of, of what it was like for Christ in the end. They placed a stone over the entrance. They rolled a stone uh, over the tomb. Um, the tomb is sealed so that it, his situation might not change, so that people know that, that it was sealed by the king. Um, there was worry. as the, the king was worried about Daniel. The disciples, they were afraid for their lives, and they were worried about what was going to happen next. God supernaturally shuts the mouths of the lions just like he shut the mouth of sin and death. And then first thing in the morning, the den, which was thought to be his tomb, where Daniel would perish, was visited not by a disciple, but by a king. And in the end, Daniel was saved. And when he came out of the den, it was as if to the king he had been resurrected because he, would, he couldn't be alive. They were hungry lions. We know the lions were hungry because um, after the king figures out all of this, he takes all of those prefects and their families and their children who had conspired against Daniel and he throws them into the, into the lion's den and they are immediately devoured by the lions. So it wasn't that they had just eaten and they were napping while Daniel was in there overnight. They were, they were very hungry. Um, the, again, the point here is that God is always working. When Jesus came and was crucified, when He didn't do anything wrong Himself, after He died, He rose again on the third day. And it wasn't just good news for Jesus Himself that He arose on the third day and wasn't still dead. It was incredible news for us. Because just like God redeemed Daniel out of the lion's den by shutting the mouths of the lions, God has redeemed us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in conquering sin and death. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We, we are redeemed just as Daniel was redeemed out of his situation. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You see, eternal salvation is no small thing. We would think, oh my goodness, what an unbelievable miracle if we saw Daniel come out like the king did. But you know, an even greater miracle is the fact that those in this room who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will have eternal life in heaven with God Himself. What great, great news. As far as life and eternity goes, salvation is the thing. So, that is a great truth to remember when you're knee-deep in alligators and you wonder if you're going to be able to keep ahead of them. That is a great truth to, to recall when you're standing there and you're looking at your house and it's just been burned to the ground and it's nothing but rubble. That is something that you can remember when you're standing at the back of the room and at the front of the room is a casket and in that casket is something somebody that was very close to you. We can, despite any difficult circumstances, maintain our faith and trust in God and know that He continues to work. God worked in the den that night. Daniel was still alive. Daniel answered him in verse 21, May the king live forever. May God, my God, sent His angel and He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in His sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, Your Majesty. Look, Your Majesty, this ain't about you. It's about my God. My prayers, only to Him. Only to Him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said the same thing. We will bow down only to Yahweh, our God, because He is the one true God. And it's interesting, I find it interesting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, look, um, throw us in the fiery furnace, we're, we're, we trust that God will protect us and that He will save us. But then they go on to say, even if He doesn't, and even if we knew that He wasn't going to save us in this case, we will not bow down to you. Only to our God. Only to our God. Think about uh, the, uh, the American that's in an Iranian prison right now. He may not live. He may die in that prison. But why, why did he go there? He went there because he wanted to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to people who needed it. To people who hadn't heard. He was obedient. God must have called him to go there and he went. And he went there despite any consequences that he could suffer. And now he's suffering them. And I, I know there's lots, there's thousands of people that are praying that God would preserve his life. God may. God may open the door one day and he may walk out. God may not. There have been many martyrs in the past history as well. But something we can know for sure is that God is still working no matter what the outcome of those situations are. And then something unbelievable happens. And this is the final lesson from the din. It's this small decisions are often monumental. Small decisions are often monumental. Look at verse 26. Look at what happens. Well, let's, let's look at 25. Look at what happens in the life of King Darius 
because, because Daniel was faithful in how he lived his relationship with God. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. That's a lot of people. May you prosper greatly, he says. I issue a decree. Uh-oh. Hope he thought about this one. He's issuing another decree. Can't be retracted. But this is an amazing one. That in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he, this, this is King Darius's profession of faith right here, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Small decisions are often monumental. They can have effects that we don't even know will occur. Daniel's decision to pray. Daniel's, Daniel's decision to put his life in jeopardy, to be obedient to what God had called him to, um, was monumental for the Persians and the Medes. Now, I don't know if everybody obeyed what the king said, and I don't know, you know, we could argue about the genuineness of those decisions, etc., 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 okay? Um, but the point is, it was monumental for that country and that nation. So there's three applications that I want to close with here. Real quick. Um, these won't take long. Um, decisions that we make on a daily basis, they may seem small. Uh, but we must, uh, we must maintain obedience and doing what's right. Period. No questions asked. Difficult to do, I know. But it's something that we need to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow. God was glorified by the king who saw this miracle happen. Daniel didn't stop worshiping God and he didn't stop praying and a nation was changed. Um, th this, this wasn't, I, I don't know if this was particularly life-changing for myself, but it was kind of affirming. Uh, years and years ago, uh, some of you, very few of you have probably heard this before. Um, years ago, Sarah and I had some credit cards. And we were trying to juggle credit cards. We don't have credit cards anymore. We've, we've taken care of all of that debt. Um, but, you know, at that particular time, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, credit card companies would send you this advertisement that says, hey, transfer your credit card over to our credit card and we'll give you a low percentage rate, you know, for an introductory period of time, right? So you could, you could transfer this at what what, you know, 21% over here and only pay 6% for the next six months. And if you did that every six months, you know, you could maintain a low percentage rate. So this one gal calls and, and it sounded like a good deal to me. You know, we had a chunk of change. I don't remember how much it was. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, it sounds like it'll save us some money. And uh, so she gets all the way down to the end and she, she says, well, I need to read you the rules. All right, read me the rules. And as she's reading through the rules, she says... Um, this, this rollover account cannot be used um, to, to pay off the balance of any other cards owned by such and such a company. And I said, well, wait a minute. Stop right there. I said, repeat that again. She repeated again. I said, well, the, the card that I'm transferring this money from is under that company. 
so I guess I can't do this after all. And she said, well, wait, wait. She said, um, she said we, we actually send you a check. You know, we, we don't send the check to the, to the credit card company. You decide where the money's going to go to. So it's okay. And I'm like, no, you said, you said that I can't use this to pay off a card with another company. So I can't do that. And then she says this, do you always do what's right? Out loud to me, she says this. And I said, my response was, well, I try. And, and that was the end of the phone conversation. Now, how many of you have had somebody say a similar thing? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's with Dish Network or DirecTV. Huh? Well, your husband's name is the only name that's on the account. Why don't you, you know, after your two-year contract, you can get the sweet deal again for another six months or a year if you put it under your wife's name. I had a technician from, from one of those companies, I won't tell you which, tell me that when he was at my house. And I'm thinking, dude, that's just wrong. That's not right. It's not right. So, this point, obedience and doing what's right, period. No questions asked. You know, it cost me some interest money when I didn't choose to change that money over. And there may be other things that are even greater, have greater consequences for us. But there's nothing, nothing that, that could, um, could be better than always being obedient and doing what's right. Will we fail? Yes, we will. But we don't have to try to. We don't have to try to. Um, think about it this way. Acts chapter 5, verses 29 through 32. Peter and the other apostles replied. Here, here's the thing. Peter, Peter and these guys, they're, they're being imprisoned for what they're preaching. And this happened to Paul several times too. They said, you've got to knock this off. And they let him out. And what did he do? He went out and he started doing it again. And they put him in prison again. I thought we, we thought we told you to, to knock this off. Well, read that. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. God wants us to proclaim this, so we're going to proclaim this. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging Him on a cross. God exalted Him to His own right hand as Prince and Savior that He might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. That's essentially what the guy said when he went to Iran to continue to, to preach and share the good news of Jesus Christ. He's like, look, I, I know this is illegal in your country, but, but I'm going to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And now he's suffering the consequences of that. Being obedient and doing what's right. The second challenge for us is that we take the time to pray. Taking the time to pray. You know, um, it may seem like a small decision to pray faithfully. But it is a powerful one. There is power in prayer. Jesus himself took the time to pray. You know, you would think, well, would he talk to himself? Huh? You know? Jesus took the time to pray. Many times he prayed. Let's follow his example. And it was Daniel's faithful prayer that put him in the lion's den. Again, my human logic says, do it secretly and you would have been okay. But if he had done it secretly, then, then there wouldn't have been this monumental change to the nation that there was, would there have been? God was still working. God was still working. 
And then finally, like Daniel did, like the three boys did, let's fully rely on God. Fully relying on God. I know that's difficult. And I know we have plenty of opportunities to actually live that out. But you know what? We can do it. We can do it. We can fully rely on God. Daniel did. Shadrach and Meshach did. So many um, biblical characters throughout the history. Those who failed miserably at times in their life fully relied on God. So in all areas of our lives, let's seek His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else. Everything else will be added unto us. Let's seek His kingdom first. Let's trust Him. Let's praise God in the hard times. Let's trust and praise Him in the good times. Now there's a young man down in Albin where I was born and raised that was in a horse accident three years ago. In fact, it'll be three years ago on June 6th. And life's been extremely tough for him. Um, his life his life is a daily struggle. You know, he struggles more than Garrett does uh, in, in getting around and doing things like that. But one thing that Tim, mom, has, has been doing is Facebooking. Now, I, I think he's probably typing it out. I haven't actually asked the family this or not, but um, he types these things out almost daily. And, and he made a post a couple days ago that directly applied to this, and I want to close with it. He opened with Acts 16.25, and it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And this is what, this is what Tim says. Falsely imprisoned, Paul and Silas had been beaten with many blows, placed in prison, and locked down in stocks. Under such horrible circumstances, they managed to praise God in hymns and pray to their Father in heaven. Under this kind of pressure, their faith caught the attention of the other prisoners who listened to them. We need to be reminded that over the years of Christian witness, some of the most effective times of evangelism happened because Christians remained faithful and joyous people despite persecution and harassment. Very true in the case of the historical events that we've seen today. Nothing should limit our prayer and praise. God will use them to reach the hearts of those in the most difficult of places. And then he says this, Here's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to praise God when everything is going good. Anyone can do that. I challenge you, when the going gets tough, the tough turn to the Lord. Now, I've got some work, because I can't say that, but I'm trying. Ever since my accident on 6-6-10, where the doctor said I would not live through the night, I'm learning to fully rely on God. Let's continue to look for the scarlet thread in our lives every day. And let's live for Him. Let's pray as the worship team comes up for the last song. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for Your grace and mercy and love. And Lord, I pray... That each one of us here would leave encouraged, that, that we would leave here reviewing our lives, and, and Lord, going forward, we would make obedient and right decisions before you in all that we do, in how we praise you, in how we worship you, in how we live our life, as how we do business with others. Lord, may we be above reproach as Daniel was. And Lord, may we recognize that you continue to work today. You continue to work for good those who are in Christ Jesus. All things, all things, 
such good news, Lord. We worship you as we close in Jesus' name. Amen.